0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com
1: for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Bama Online Podcast. This one a little different, a Sunday evening edition of the BOL Pod. Travis Schreier, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com, alongside senior team reporter Charlie Potter. And Charlie, I got to think on this NFL Sunday, you're doing a little bit better than Mac Jones and New England Patriots after that <laughs> finish we just saw to the Raiders. I guess Josh Jacobs, pretty happy guy, right? But uh wow, what a finish to that late window game out in Vegas.
0: Yeah, that's one you don't usually see um, at the NFL level. um That was pretty wild, especially in a tie game uh, to be. Lateral in it like that. And then I, I know I've seen Mac at the podium and, and he's kind of taking ownership uh, for the law saying it's on him. I don't necessarily agree with that. Max doesn't need to be put in that position uh, ever, really. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know that you'll find a, a crazier play uh, this week or maybe even all season.
1: Yeah, that was nuts, no doubt about it. It's been a busy, busy week, been a busy, busy three or four days of Alabama athletics, whether we're talking about former Alabama players in the National Football League, at had two on Saturday night and that highly visible matchup with the Buffalo Bills and frigid Orchard Park, New York, and then the NFL games. And But before all that, uh, we want to talk, obviously, about Alabama men's basketball going through a three-game stretch, a rigorous three-game stretch. And I think, though, Charlie, if I had told Alabama fans, at least the realistic Alabama fans, that, look, between Houston on the road, uh, Memphis and Gonzaga in Birmingham, you're going to go two and one, you know, and you're going to get one of those wins on the road in a true road matchup against the Cougars of Houston should feel pretty good about that, but I think like most folks, Alabama fans were a little bit greedy. Wanted that third win in a row in that stretch over Gonzaga on Saturday. But credit the Zags, man, offensively uh, led by Drew Timmy, the All American Post, just uh, too much for Alabama to deal with in the Ham.
0: Yeah, and and I agree. Like I, I think two and one in the stretch is a is a positive takeaway. I think going two and zero to start it though. And then having uh, a really impressive crowd there, an Alabama uh, heavy crowd in the uh, Legacy Arena, y- you kind of do get a little greedy and, and want to see three and zero if you're Alabama and-, and Crimson Tide fans. But you know Gonzaga is a good team. Um, I don't think anybody was denying that. I mean Memphis is better than they were last year too, and-, and Houston, you know they they were number one whenever Alabama beat them. So these teams are are really good. So to go two and one and to go into the last um, non conference game. Uh, with only a pair of losses is is impressive but you're right I mean offensively especially there in the second half Gonzaga was really really good they shot uh damn near 75 percent from the field and um it drew Timmy was a handful but you know they had some guys step up around him I think they had six guys finish in double figures um you know you you missed a guy like Namari Burnett to be able to you know lock up uh some of those shooters but um you know gonzaga just had an answer for everything and alabama shot the ball well too they finished over 50 percent from the field and brandon miller obviously had the the second half that he did with 26 points but um yeah it just felt like gonzaga was trying to pull away uh on several occasions and brandon miller kept alabama in it but but i think the closest they got there in the final five minutes was six points in terms of a deficit and Gonzaga just kept building it back up and it finished with 100. Uh, it's not a great defensive showing uh, for Nate Oates, who's been preaching that for over a year now. And I know they're going to want to you know, bounce back. They're going to have an opportunity to do that Tuesday with Jackson State coming in town. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a game I think you, know, you schedule these to – Kind of figure things out about your team. Alabama was exposed a little bit, and I think that's not necessarily a bad thing going into SEC play to, to learn uh, a little bit and to be able to clean some things up.
1: Yeah, the last three halves of basketball, Alabama has given up 155 points. You know, even by my very limited public <laughs> school math upbringing, that's better than 50 points a half. So Uh, no doubt Nate is going to continue to preach the defensive end of the floor as much as anything, transition defense. We even heard that from him coming out of the Memphis game, and you still saw a little bit too much of that. But I guess the common theme, turnovers for Alabama, and that was very much problematic for the Crimson Tide once again, even though Alabama got off to a really hot start from the field offensively, the turnovers, and we're doing a good job on the boards too during the early stages of that Gonzaga game. But the turnovers uh, and just not enough good work on the defensive end allowed Gonzaga to stay in that, stay within contact of the Alabama lead there early on Saturday until it really just was surgeon-like in its own regard offensively. The Zags outscore Alabama in points off turnovers 23-11 to Alabama with 21 turnovers in the game, what, 14 in the first half alone? So I think we understand turnovers are going to be part of the deal with the way Alabama plays, right? Um, But defensively, uh, still got to shore some things up. And again, you give Timmy a lot of credit. You knew he was an All-American coming in. You said it, though. What we hadn't seen from Gonzaga to this point was the supporting cast step up enough, and they certainly did that on Saturday.
0: Yeah, they did. Uh, you look at it, Hickman, uh, Bolton, you know, Strother, those are guys that Nados mentioned uh, when previewing the game. You know, clearly, Timmy is their strength, and he showed that uh, with a double double, almost finishing with 30 points. But they have shooters around him, and they made plays. And I think that's where you've kind of felt the loss of Namari Burnett the most, whether it was there, you go back to the Memphis game, and. Um, you have Kendrick Davis going for 30. Uh, if you have Namari Burnett in that game, he's not going to play you know, all 80 minutes of those, but that helps because he's been uh, a lockdown defender. But uh, yeah, it's, it was a lot of guys for, for Gonzaga uh, that were successful. And um, it was just, it was kind of just, they're not on the offensive end. And Alabama, you know, they they did some good things. I think rebounding. Uh, I think they they held a seven uh, rebound edge, 37 to 30. Um, you know, offensive glass only a, a free rebound edge, but they did some good things from that standpoint. Uh, but yeah, it was just anytime Alabama was able to to conjure up some offense, Gonzaga had an answer, and it wasn't just him, Even though like you said, he was very surgical. Uh, down low and in the paint. Um, But, you know, to have other guys step up, I think they finished 7-17 of from three. Uh, They were just really, really efficient. And um, you expect that from a team like Gonzaga with some veterans coming back, a Mark Few coached team. And, um, you know, Alabama, they really leaned on the newcomers. I think Alabama's freshman finished with 71 of, of its 90 points. And, you know, Brandon Miller was a big part of that. But you still have some young guys that are learning and they're going to be counted on throughout the rest of the season. And this is good experience for them, but you're going to have to get some of those older guys to step up and, um, you know, make some plays. Here's Ron Quinterly, you know, Nate has talked about it after the game you know, he's a guy that, um, it finished with, with two points had three turnovers and 13 minutes, but, you know, Jake Hughes is going to be a big part of this team. He's just kind of gaining that confidence back. Uh, so it was a good sign for the newcomers to make plays but you're going to need some of these older guys, these returning guys, guys like Darius Miles, to to provide some defense and um, you know step up with a guy like Burnett out because you don't want to have an, another uh, situation like this to unfold. I don't I don't think we'll see this too many times, but you never know it can happen.
1: Yeah, and with Burnett out, Jaden Bradley steps into the starting lineup, but man, with the way this young guy is playing, you're getting more of the sense that even when Burnett comes back, going to be tough to get Jaden out of that starting lineup. And certainly even if he does go back to uh, a reserve role, 30 minutes, he's going to play starter minutes. He already was even with Burnett around, but boy, you look at this lineup right now, you got three true freshmen uh, in that mix, Rylan Griffin coming off the bench as well. But um, what do you think when, when Burnett comes back, if Bradley's going to continue to take ownership, like we've seen him, uh, do here in the last couple of weeks, uh, going to be tough to get him out, isn't it?
0: Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if they stick with this lineup. Um, I think Jaden Bradley's done some really good things offensively. We haven't seen Namari, um, you know, be the shooter that he's kind of been advertised as, but he's been the defender and more, um, you know, that NATO's and company thought they had. So I think both of those guys can do some good things defensively, but, um, I, I think it, it kind of gives you a little bit of versatility. You can put Jaden at the the point guard position and, and not necessarily with Burnett, but you can, you can have guys do more things off the ball. Burnett's not necessarily a, a ball handler and on the ball as much, but, um, It just it kind of opens things up for others, I guess is the point. And whether it's Namari when he's healthy or you know Mark Sears, Javon Quinterly, you can play him with other guards, and um, he kind of opens things up for the rest of the team. So it'll be interesting. But I think you know with what we've seen these last couple games, um, they do miss Namari's defense quite a bit, and I think that's Mm -hmm. been a strength. If he can start making some shots, then. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how Nate's kind Nate of kind of figures out these kind of minute situations moving forward.
1: A three point shot obviously central to who Alabama is as a basketball team. They make eight of twenty five threes in the game against Gonzaga on Saturday. Six of those by Brandon Miller, though. So rest of the team goes two of fourteen from beyond the arc, and uh, had a few donuts and for some different guys. Uh, from beyond the three point line. So, uh, an area where I'm sure they'll continue to hopefully improve. And, uh, you know, they still so much positivity, right. Though to come out of these last eight or nine days to go on the road again, to win at Houston, uh, to beat uh, a top 25 Memphis team. I know they weren't a top 25 team when Alabama played them. When Memphis, when the polls come out this week, Memphis should be a top 25 team. Um, They're certainly uh, capable of that and that type of team. So Alabama's still in really good shape, Charlie. And unfortunately, it's Mo Williams in Jackson State that comes to town next. Mo, of course, just an absolute all-timer in Alabama basketball history. Uh, But the Tigers struggling mightily and probably not a bad spot on the schedule for Alabama to see a Jackson State team, certainly probably more so than, say, Davidson a year ago at about this time man. you think about the last two games in Birmingham for Alabama they got cut up defensively uh, by Davidson and and also Gonzaga but hopefully for Alabama this is opportunity to play everybody um, to get back to a really positive mindset which it shouldn't have altered all that much even with the loss to Gonzaga and then man here we go SEC play right around the corner.
0: Yeah, I mean, you look at it. Get I'm so second Gonzaga. Jackson State has a hell of a schedule. Uh, they've played uh, on the road at Michigan. They've played on the road at Indiana. Um, they've faced TCU, SMU, Mississippi State, who's still undefeated, Texas Tech, and a Texas Tech game they lost by fifty. So yeah, this this should be um, a relatively easy game for alabama you say that and and then it'll be a, a tough one but you're right it is an opportunity to, to play some more guys um I, I don't know if we'll see dom welch against jackson state but you have a little bit of a break with christmas maybe he's available for the start of sec play but um no it'll be it'll be good to see mo on the bench um you know it's i know it's not the start to the season that he wanted there in year one going one and ten but like i said they've kind of had a murderers row and a, a who's who of, of teams that they've been playing from a power five standpoint and Alabama. is going to be the next one on the, on the list.
1: Yes, they are. So Tuesday night, Alabama hosts Jackson state at Coleman Coliseum. Then it's the Christmas break. And then, as we said, right into sec play with a road trip to Starkville to take on the Bulldogs who as Charlie outlined have played Jackson state this season, 10 point winners, over jsu in that matchup charlie let's talk some football man because the alabama crimson side returned to the practice field last friday in advance of its matchup on new year's eve with the wildcats of kansas state and the word that everyone was waiting on right availability as it relates to alabama players with an emphasis on Will Anderson and Bryce Young. And then you get into guys like Jameer Gibbs. And we got to note, by the way, these are all guys that do have remaining eligibility. So, whereas we consider it a foregone conclusion that a lot of these guys are going to be making the jump to the NFL, uh, we haven't been informed of that in an official capacity. But I wanted to ask you, as last week moved along and we were getting closer and closer to Friday and we hadn't heard anything from, say, bryce young or will anderson were you starting to allow yourself to believe that hey maybe these guys actually are going to play in the sugar bowl
0: yeah i mean I, i'll admit that i've had stories ready for opt-outs just in case you know try to be under p's and q's but you know as the week went on it's like well maybe i should get a story ready for them not opting out and um, I still thought that you know later in the week was a possibility. I know Alabama uh, gave the guys some time off. They were coming back, I think, on Thursday, and then like you said, the first day of practice was Friday. So I, I knew they were a lot of the guys were just out of town. Uh, that being said, though, with you know this new NIL era and and everybody having big followings on social media and stuff like that, I figured you know there were plenty of opportunities for graphics to be made, announcements to be shared, and, and things like that. But they they never came. And, um, you know, we, we saw the reports from, from ESPN. We saw the, the practice photos from Alabama before we heard from Nick Saban, who, who confirmed all of that. And, um, yeah, it's, it's welcome news. And, you know, I, I get that they all – or not they all, but a lot of them could come back. I don't expect Bryson Will to be back in Alabama next year. I mean, we saw the way that they exited the field for the Iron Bowl. Um, I think that they're going to be declaring for the draft and some of the first guys off the board. But playing in the bowl game, um, we've talked about it, just kind of shores up the leaders that they are on this team. And, you know, Nick Saban talked about ensuring them as best they could. So that's, you know, something they can hang their hat on. But, yeah, I think collectively as a group, you know, they want to finish this season on a high note and uh, play together and, do so in a big time bowl game, and you know, I, I kind of thought I, I don't want to name names or anything, but what if you're one of those guys that's being mentioned as a first round pick, maybe a late first round pick, and then you hear that, that Bryson Wheeler played in the game, you kind of maybe you're thinking of, of opting out, and now you're like, well, I guess I can't do that now. So that probably affected some of those guys, but that again, you know, has something to do with their their impact and their leadership. But uh, no, I think I think there's a a reinvigorated feeling and a, a breath breathed into this uh, sugar bowl, because we've been basically all hoops and and people wondering about red shirts and young guys and And now people are thinking about just you know kicking Kansas state's teeth in. so the the mindset has definitely shifted, but it's gonna be good to see those guys one last time uh, in an Alabama uniform, and you know hopefully everybody comes out healthy and and ready to move on to the next level.
1: Yeah, you think Dr. Pepper and the Sugar Bowl ticket office and ESPN and Nissan, you think those folks were happy to hear about uh, Will and Bryce playing in this bowl game? And then as an extension, as you said, um, you know, how difficult is it then if you're, say, a Jameer Gibbs or a Brian Branch or one of these other guys that understandably would have a decision to make in terms of playing in a meaningless, well, meaningless in relation to winning a national championship, which is what we're accustomed to seeing Alabama in the position of, of doing it this time of year uh, and, and sitting out. So, um, look, I'm not going to say that they, they definitely wouldn't have played if they weren't permanent team captains, but we talked about it on the podcast in the past. That means something still at Alabama, and not just permanent team captains, but two-time permanent team captains in Bryce Young and Will Anderson. And again, had they opted out, Charlie, they would have caught no heat for me, no Mm -hmm. grief for me, because everybody's great at spending other people's money, right, when it comes to tens of millions of dollars, Uh, and here's hoping they get through the game. I'm sure they're insured. All those things are in place, but still... There is definitely a risk involved. Um, but uh, the, the, the gravity, I would say, of being in that position at a place like Alabama means something. And this isn't to pick on a guy like, say, BJ Ojolari of LSU. If you've seen here in the last day or so, BJ Ojolari is basically the same position Will Anderson plays, he's not the same draft position of Will Anderson, but he has been honored with the number 18 jersey at LSU, which is a, a, a mammoth a, a, a reward for any player at LSU, This what it signifies to wear that number at LSU. And B.J. Ojolari, is not playing in the Citrus Bowl, and I don't have any problem with him not playing in the Citrus Bowl. But I'm just sort of outlining – you know this is this is something you don't see all that often because we've seen Alabama players opt out in the past, the the Citrus Bowl a couple of years ago. Uh, but it, it just seems like, and again, maybe these guys would have played regardless. But when you have that designation that Bryce and will have, and as you said, how they've been honored in terms of the, just how they inspire their teammates in general, that had to be a tough situation for them to walk away from. And I guess we're going to hear from them both, right, here in the next day or so, and and get more insight on that on those decisions.
0: Yeah, we're set to hear from Will and Bryce on on Monday. So yeah, that'll be uh, interesting. We'll have plenty of reaction from that. But you know, I I think on the surface, both guys clearly want to play in the game. They're competitors. Heck, Bryce wanted to play whenever his shoulder was banged up, but. um as Nick Saban said a few years ago, prior to the the Citrus Bowl, when Terrell Lewis and Trayvon Diggs opted out, you know it comes down to a business decision. And I'm with you; I wouldn't have blamed them at all for not playing in the game because they are expected to be, um, you know, two of the the top five or ten guys off the board. Uh, yeah, heck, Todd McShay's latest mock draft has. Uh, Bryce at one and and Will at three so that's I know NIL is a thing now but you know that rookie contract if you're a top five pick is still you're not getting that kind of money right now and um it it is a situation where I wouldn't have blamed them at all but it also does speak to their character and the leadership that they have provided the last couple years and I I do think that probably had an impact um and I think Nick Saban really appreciates the fact that they're both playing in this game, not only because they're two of the best players in the entire country, but the kind of boost it can give the rest of the team and, um, you know, just the the morale that it brings. Now, in that same vein, you could have kind of started building on next year, played some younger guys, gotten to look at maybe both quarterbacks because it sounds like they're kind of waving the the red shirt rule for this and, and guys can, that have played in four games can play in the bowl game and not lose that red shirt year. But, um, you know, to be able to have your leaders out there and to, to potentially win a game and, you know, go into the off season with that, that in your back pocket with a win and not coming off a loss is is certainly something you can build on.
1: You just wonder, even with guys like Will and Bryce and Jameer and Brian Branch and Jordan Battle, let's not forget him and all this either yep. as one of those three captains, um, Even with all those guys coming back, though, because of the transfer portal, the depth of this football team, I know Nick was asked about that post-practice on Friday and uh, maybe more so even with an emphasis on the offensive line because we've seen here on this Sunday, Javion Cohen has made his decision. He'll be a Miami Hurricane moving forward. So um, I thought he had an interesting response to the question about depth. Uh, I guess more so with the offensive line, he, he's like, well, you, you know who we've got, so <laughs> it, it shouldn't be all that hard to figure out. It's, and it's not just Javion Cohen at a position like that, or even wide receiver. We're talking about three or four guys, and JoJo Earl now going to play at TCU. It's just, um, you know, I, I get the sense Alabama in a one-game situation should be okay. And as Nick said, it's not a situation where you can just pull guys in and they're they can play for you today in the bowl game. Um, but what are your thoughts on that as far as this team and specific areas where the portal is, has really taken its toll?
0: Now, this is what he's talked about. Um, you know, when, when this became a thing, um, you know, Nick Saban basically said that Alabama is not going to lose its best players. They're going to go out and get other teams, best players. But as he dove deeper into that thought process the depth on this team is what's affected the guys that are special team players or backups, you know, that could be starters if they wait their turn, like we've seen, you know, others throughout the years. Um, and in this bowl game, you're going to lose some guys that have been contributors in that way. Um, you know, you, you actually lose a starter on the offensive line, but you have a guy in Tyler Booker that can step up there, but you know, he's one of, of five offensive linemen that have transferred now, so you know if something happens to a guy that's on the field uh, with the first team, you're going to have some some guys maybe stepping in for the first time. Um, you know, at wide receiver, TreShaun Holden and JoJo Earl have both started games; they've logged first team minutes. I know the young guys have played a lot, but you know, that's going to create opportunities for others from a depth standpoint. A lot of those guys play on special teams too. Kyrie Jackson has been a special teams guy. Trey Sanders has been a special teams guy, the wide receivers. So that's where you're going to see it the most. And like you said, it's it's probably not going to affect them too much. In that game in new Orleans, but you know, you go into the spring and you're going to have some young guys that are going to have to step up and provide depth and, you know, fill some special team roles. And so I'm sure that maybe after the bowl game we'll see some more guys enter the portal. You have after spring practice, that's an opportunity for that as well. But um, for a place like Alabama, you're not going to see a, a Bryce Young or a Will Anderson leave. Um, but guys that they're counting on to, you know, be their guys, those guys backups or fill special team roles. That's important, too, and, and that's where you see it the most. And with 12 scholarship guys, a lot of those guys have, have filled those roles. And you know, in this these weeks uh, leading up to the Sugar Bowl, you're going to have some young guys get some opportunities to fill them.
1: Yeah, and it's early enrollee season, too, as we know. That gets the fan base excited, although Nick certainly goes out of his way to sort of temper that, and he, understandably so. I mean, these aren't guys that have any chance of playing in the bowl game. for a number of reasons, Um, but he also, I know, uh, pointed out that it is a a great opportunity for a lot of these guys to get a jump start, and usually the positions I think about in that regard, quarterback, offensive line, not that Eli Holstein is necessarily going to be expected to compete for the successor role to Bryce Young, uh, but still, as far as his big-picture development, uh, getting in there and getting acclimated And then, again, with the big guys Along that offensive line
0: Yeah, and Alabama Right now has six guys That are on campus It sounds like they might have some more um, you know, Next week And some, some names that Alabama fans Have been curious about But it is a situation, yeah I mean, I can't tell you How many times you get this question But they can't play in the bowl game um, Wait a minute, Charlie <laughs> I know um, if the Marvin, Grinch, if you're listening, right here on the podcast, yeah. I mean, Marvin, come on, Charlie. If Marvin's listening, quit spreading that rumor because people you mean are just Justice Haynes isn't getting
1: 20 carries in the Sugar know. Bowl? I would. What love are you? To see you breaking it. news here, Charlie?
0: I would love to see it because I think Justin Haynes is a <laughs> hell of a player. I'm ready to see him too. <laughs> but like Nick Saban said, these these opportunities are just a huge advantage to these guys because they're getting acclimated not only you know they have to go through the acclimation period without you know full pads or anything like that but they get to go through meetings they get to learn how to be a college football player at alabama and the more time you get to do that as a young guy is is beneficial because you can go into the spring um with a step ahead of some of your guys that are going to be coming in january so it, it's to be able to go through these practices is a, is a big deal and like you said the quarterback position is one a lot of people look at Ty Simpson was able to do this last year. Um, I know Jalen Hurts did it. Uh, so it, it's a situation where these guys can not only gain invaluable experience, but you know, they're probably going to be slapping on some scouting jerseys and helping the team get ready for the bowl game. And uh, I'm sure Eli Holstein is just thrilled to be able to go against Will Anderson, Dallas Turner, and some of these edge rushers, but it's going to make him better. And, um, you know, they, they can't play in this game if Alabama were to get a. A guy from the transfer portal, he can't play in this game either. But, you know, for the future, it's um, it's a good thing for them.
1: Maybe Justice Haynes as Deuce Vaughn coming up here in the next week or so. It's going to be pretty quick, though. I mean, they're going to be wrapping up practices before the, the Christmas break. And next thing you know, it'll be time for New Orleans. Well, you know what else we've got, too? we got the early signing period cranking up on Wednesday for football. So there's going to be plenty of news and plenty of things to keep an eye on with us at BamaOnline.com. Flip watch for some of these guys. I know Alabama involved with some committed prospects elsewhere. So Tim Watts and Hank South obviously going to do a great job for us right there at BamaOnline.com, and Charlie, we always appreciate your superior coverage of Alabama uh, team-related items, whether it's football, men's hoops, and plenty of that coming up this week as well. And Charlie, if we don't get to talk before the Christmas break, man, I hope that stocking is just stuffed, just absolutely stuffed full with goodies for you
0: i am sitting in the living room right now it looks like it's pretty full so hopefully it is it's um, not cold no cool man, in there. well i don't know the, the wife's in charge of that yeah. so we'll see That's a TBT, <laughs> I guess. but no it's i love this time of year it feels like it's just flying by though um,
1: now are you a peppermint guy um i'm not peppermint mocha little peppermint mocha <laughs> no I'm, I'm
0: not i'm not really into. i don't, I don't really right. like coffee too much um Damn, we got to get
1: going on that. We well, the problem is, I don't, I don't sleep enough as it is. I don't need. Well, oh, that's true. We've, we've talked about that. You're right. I,
0: now, like, I don't mind a candy cane every now and then, but those the like the individually wrapped like soft peppermints mm-hmm. those are those are legit. Um, but mm-hmm. for me, like the wife knows, like if if we if we do like candy or whatever in the stocking, the the. Candy cane, like the plastic tube of like the individual wrapped Reese cups, is the perfect amount and the perfect size for Reese's cups. And so that's that's my go-to. Just I know it's not holiday related. You get a Reese cup any time of the
1: year. Yeah, but that's a strong traditional fave. That, that candy cane of Reese's cups. I know exactly yeah, what you're talking about. That's all I need, really. And you know, you, I mean, I'm from.
0: I'm from Northeast Alabama. My grandmother used to just fill her house with Christmas candy. Uh, you have the the haystacks, all that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. That's always fun. But uh, yeah, I mean that's if if I have one of those in the stocking, we're we're good to go.
1: You're set. Yeah, you're fine for another year. There you go. Well, Charlie, as always, we appreciate it, man. Always a lot of fun talking some Alabama football and some men's hoops with you. Charlie, of course, all of his outstanding work you're going to find with us there at BamaOnline.com. A busy week upon us leading up to the Christmas holiday. We certainly hope you have a safe and joyous holiday season. And, again, join us right there at BamaOnline.com. Hang out with us on the Roundtable, the premium message board of choice for Alabama fans around the globe. And if you haven't subscribed to this here podcast yet, the – bama online podcast we certainly hope you'll consider doing so anywhere you consume podcasts you're going to find the bama online podcast and if you'd leave us a rating interview we would greatly appreciate that as well talk to you soon charlie yeah man
0: and if i don't talk to you merry christmas
1: thanks bud for charlie potter travis Ryers, thanking you once again for joining us right here on the bama online podcast And until next time so long everybody